Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they lived together, he was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit this child has been conceived in her. You will bear a son. You are to name him Jesus, as he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took his wife into his home. Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Deacon Scott Broussard. I know it sounds kind of strange to me, too. I was ordained to the permanent diaconate only yesterday. Well, I know many of you and look forward to meeting all of you. Many of you don't know me. I'm a founding parishioner of St. Anthony of Padua. Shout out to St. Oak Ridge. My family and I moved here from Homa, Louisiana in 1990 and have lived in the area ever since. I've been married for 45 years to my amazing wife, Mary Ann. We have five kids, all grown, and 11 grandkids. Most of them live in the area and are also parishioners. I grew up in the small town of Jennings, Louisiana, and was an altar server in my local parish and attended Catholic school for all but one of my school years. I graduated from LSU, go Tigers, with a degree in petroleum engineering and worked in the oil and gas industry until my most recent retirement earlier this year. I love music, many genres, most sports, but mostly I love Jesus. So enough about me. I'd like to speak a bit more about the vocation of the permanent diaconate. Many here don't really know what that means, so I'll give a brief tutorial. First, how can you tell a deacon from a priest? If you look at Father David over there, he's got kind of a cowl neck and more of a poncho looking, no sleeves, on his what's called a chasuble as his outer garment. Um, under that, he's got a stole, which fits over his neck like this, and underneath that, an alb or a cassock. <laughs> I wear an alb, a white alb, so a black cassock, white alb. And I wear, called a dalmatic, as my outer vestment. It's got sleeves on it and a normal neck, all right? And I've got a stole underneath that goes from left shoulder to the right shoulder. All right, so... Um, and additionally, at least in this diocese, you should never see a deacon in a Roman collar. 
this is reserved for priests and bishops. Next, and this is the cool part, except for a few exceptions, such as widower, widowers becoming priests or Anglican priests who convert to Catholicism, permanent deacons are the only Catholics who can receive all seven sacraments, including matrimony and holy orders. This makes us extra special. <clears throat> Additionally, every bishop and priest are also deacons. However, they were ordained as transitional deacons as a step in their journey toward the priesthood. To be clear, the vocation of the permanent diaconate is not the same as the vocation to priesthood. We are not baby priests. I am a baby deacon, but we're not baby priests. So what does it mean to be a deacon? So there's two Greek words that sum it up rather nicely, diakonia and kenosis. Diakonia means service among others. Kenosis means self-emptying and becoming entirely receptive to God's will. Do these two traits sound familiar? I think Jesus could have been the ultimate deacon. His entire mission on earth, other than rising and dying, dying and rising for our sins, was to be an example of diakonia and kenosis. He poured himself out for us on the cross. So in short, the diaconate is a, mystery, a ministry and a mystery of service. Deacons are unique in that while they are members of the clergy, they are also members of the community, working alongside the laity and experiencing the challenges of married life and of raising a family. We do have a place on the altar, assisting the priest, proclaiming the gospel, preaching and bringing the prayers of the faithful to God. We also have specific faculties. We are ordinary ministers of Holy Communion and are able to administer viaticum to the sick. We can perform baptisms on children under the age of seven. We can receive wedding vows in the sacrament of matrimony outside of the Mass. And we can preside over funerals, again, outside of the Mass. However, our service on the altar could only be a part of our ministry. Again, our primary ministry is one of service. I've heard the analogy of an iceberg to describe deacons, with the small tip being our altar ministry, but the large base, our ministry of service. So please, please pray for me and the other deacons as we strive to be obedient to God's will as servants. Today's gospel marks a transition within the Advent season. For the previous three Sundays, the incarnation was something sometime in the future, something to look forward to. Today, the incarnation becomes a reality. The past few weeks, we heard about John the Baptist, a very vocal herald of Jesus' coming. Today, we were introduced to a silent hero in salvation history, St. Joseph. Joseph never speaks in the gospel, but without his actions and obedience, Jesus might never have walked the earth. There's a marked contrast between these two great saints. Interestingly, both had characteristics we hope to have as deacons, proclaiming the good news with zeal and quiet, obedient service. What do we know about St. Joseph from sacred scripture? Well, we know from St. Luke's genealogy that he was a descendant of David. Now, this is extremely important 
Joseph has an important role to play for this child. From Scripture, you are to name him. To name a child is to claim the child as one's own. Thus, Joseph is instructed to accept the child as his own son. Even though Jesus is not his biological son, as Joseph's legal son, he would have all the hereditary rights of a son, including Joseph's royal Davidic descent. Therefore, Joseph, son of David, in this act of naming, would make this child a legal heir to David, fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. What else do we know about Joseph? We know from today's gospel he was a righteous man who had been very careful to obey the Jewish law. He was presented with a no-win situation. He was betrothed to Mary, meaning that he was legally married to her. They were not engaged, as some might believe. In first century Judea, marriage was a two-step process. The couple became betrothed, but the marriage was not initially consummated. And the husband would build or prepare a house for them to live. And then the wedding ceremony, which would last seven days, ending when the bridegroom carried his bride into their home and the marriage was consummated. Mary's pregnancy created quite the quandary for Joseph. If she was pregnant by normal means, it meant that she was an adulteress. Standard practice in this case was a divorce with a public trial, which would have subjected, subjected Mary to public shame and humiliation. Wanting to avoid this, Joseph decided to divorce her quietly till the angel appeared to him and explained the miraculous act of the Holy Spirit. Joseph appears by name only twice more in Matthew's Gospel, once when he is instructed to flee Egypt when Herod was seeking to destroy the Christ child, and again when he is instructed to return to Israel once the threat no longer existed. As we sit here in 2022 as followers of Christ, what can we learn from St. Joseph? He was a simple man with a simple plan. He was married to a young, devout Jewish woman who was after his own heart. He was looking forward to consummating the marriage and starting a home and a family. He would live out his days working as a carpenter and following Jewish laws and traditions. But his life was turned upside down. First, he learned that the woman he was betrothed to was pregnant. Next, his wife left for three months to help her cousin Elizabeth. And this baby was born in a strange place, laid in a food trough in a cave. Once again, an angel appeared to him, instructing him to uproot his family move to a strange land where he would be a foreigner. Finally, after establishing a home in Egypt, he was told to return to Israel and start over once again. Joseph silently obeyed. Never questioned, he just obeyed. So how often in our lives have we had a plan or comfortable with our lives just as they were? only to have some significant event completely disrupt our lives. It may be the loss of a job or a serious illness or death of a loved one or an unexpected call to vocation. I've personally experienced all of these. 
How have you been challenged to leave your place of comfort? How did you respond? How will you respond? St. Anthony of Padua, 